When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Before we get going today, big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. That's the Hockey Podcast Network promo THPN. I'll tell you a little bit more about DraftKings later on in the show. We've got a great one for you today. We're going to talk to a good friend of mine, Brennan Clack. He, of course, used to work with me at TSN 1260. Now he's down the dial. He's a contributor with Fantrax. We'll talk to, to Clack about the Oilers' start to the season. We're also going to hear from Jim Toth of CJOB out in Winnipeg. Uh, get his thoughts on the Jets as the Oilers have a home-and-home series with them. And we'll talk to Jeffrey Ulrich from DraftKings Nation, give you a little fantasy football, hockey, baseball advice, not baseball, basketball, all those sorts of things with an Oilers theme. Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers coming off a big win on Sunday evening. They defeat the St. Louis Blues 5-4. Kyler Yamamoto scoring his third goal of the season in the final moments of the game for the big win. We'll talk about that and much more with our next guest. I talked about it a second ago, Brennan Clack of Fantrax. Give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update Clack. Thank you so much for doing this this evening. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. I mean, from the intro, I can actually tell you that I won a fantasy baseball league this year. Oh. And knowing almost nothing about it, but just kind of <laughs> riding waivers. Well, I mean, I, I said baseball for some reason. Like that, maybe that's just stuck in my head or whatever, but I'm glad it kind of segued into that. And I feel like baseball, that's kind of a sport where you can do that, right? Like you, you watch the waiver wire, find guys who are kind of streaky, pick them up. Good for you. Was it a big cash prize? There was no cash involved. I always win the pools that have no cash. It's, it's, it's the ones I try hard. I'm in it and I'm second or third. And then the ones where I'm like, eh, it's just baseball pool. I'll set my lineup. I'll make moves. First place. Oh, well, <laughs> that's you, you have bragging rights, right? You get some bragging rights. You can say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I knew, I knew less than you and I won. <laughs> oh. Use my intuition, you know? Uh, that would be like the title of my autobiography if I ever had one. I'd know. I don't <laughs> usually win fantasy sports. I, I'm not very good at it, but, uh, we're going to talk fantasy sports later on in the day. Uh, Jeffrey Ulrich does an awesome job with DraftKings Nation. I, I will tell you, had you listened to his advice on Monday, You'd be in a pretty good position, and we'll talk about that later on and uh, check out his stuff, DraftKings Nation. He'll give you some great advice. My advice would be 
pick up Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid because, Clacker, those guys right now are absolutely tearing it up. McDavid's are passing 600 points in his career. Leon Dreisaitl, the way he's going, could get there by maybe maybe February. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But uh, if you're an opposing team right now, how, how do you try to stop those two? Because those guys just come at you in waves. Well, it's going to be almost impossible to stop them right now. Like in the regular season, we've seen it for the last few years. It's just crazy how they get better and better. Like Dry Settle and McDavid have been awesome now for several years, but 2.21 points per game for Dry Settle and the 1.93 for McDavid. We're talking 180 point paces here. We're talking Gretzky one and Gretzky two levels of point pace. And it seems like every time one of these guys touches the puck, it's either a high quality scoring chance or it's in the net. And especially with Dry Settle's case, it's a 31% shooting. Like it, it is unreal that he has 15 goals in 14 games and he still looks like probably the best passer in the league. I mean, that pass to Yamamoto is not easy. It's cross ice. It's one pass that only a couple players can make in that kind of moment in the dying seconds. And we saw Connor McDavid as well in the dying seconds of the Rangers Oilers game. There was a little more time on the clock there, but he makes, you know, the play of the year. <laughs> These guys are currently carrying this team on their back. They have a little bit of help, but they're, they're unstoppable to me right now because what teams will do is they'll clutch and grab them and hook them when the playoffs starts and the refs will let it go as they normally do in the playoffs. <laughs> well, it seems like they just let it go in the regular season as well. I mean, you, you don't want to give that Oilers power play any more opportunities than they have so far. Uh, w- with the strong play of those two, who do you think's been the biggest benefactor? I mean, is, is it Hyman or Nuge piling up the assists? Yes, he pulled the RV, anyone else? Like, who benefits from these two being as good as they are? Well, I think Zach Hyman's been really good on his own. Like, I think Hyman's been creating a lot of chances with his speed, but also his fearlessness. If there's something I love about Zach Hyman is that he'll take the puck from the corner and just go, yeah, I'm going to put it in front of the net and I'm going to bring my whole body to get there. He has no worry about just going to that area and trying to score. And, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I think, has just played really well two ways on his own as well, even though he only has the one goal. He has been trading off with both of them really well, but also coming back defensively and and really making an impact there. I'm going to say the two guys that seem to benefit, or maybe the three guys that seem to benefit the most. I mean, yes, he Pugliari's at a point per game, and Pugliari has done some things on his own too, where he's brought the team life, and he's come back and got a breakaway to score a goal, and the team is down. It happened twice, Rangers game and Detroit game, where Pugliari is bringing the team back on his own. However, he does get to play with McDavid and dry settle on that power play. He gets to play with McDavid a lot at five on five. He's been a huge benefactor there just from being able to trade off of them and learn from the two best players in the game, potentially. And also the Darnell nurse and Tyson Berry and Evan Bouchard trifecta of blue liners. They all get a chance to play with McDavid and dry settle a lot. And I think that that plays a factor in their point totals. Like Darnell nurse has 10 assists and, Every time one of those assists happens, it tends to be McDavid or Drysdale on the ice where he just makes a simple play to one of them and then they can make the magic happen and he piles on points. And that's happened to Barry for last season. I mean, Barry had a ton of second assists. We had that, those debates constantly last season, but, but those two guys do benefit when you have that kind of skill with you at all times, especially Barry on the power play, Nurse getting some power play time too. 
it, it, it'll help boost up your points a little bit. Clack, uh, I know some people right now still like to trash on Miko Koskinen. He gives up a couple goals. Maybe maybe too many for some people's liking, uh, especially the game on a Sunday night against the St. Louis Blues. But at the end of the day, kind of the whole Grant Fear thing. Hey, we won the game and he made enough saves. What have you made of Miko Koskinen as of late, especially with Mike Smith not being able to go? Well, he's he's been about as good as you would expect him to try to be and more. I, I don't think I would say that he's been excellent, but I would say he's been good. I mean, he's he lets in a few goals that you wish didn't go in every once in a while. His glove hand actually hasn't been as bad of a problem this season, but it's still there. You know, I, I think Koskinen's a goalie where he, I think he's really thrived on everyone doubting him a bit. Like no one really believed in Koskinen coming into this season other than maybe himself. And we, we heard Jim Matheson at the press conference before the season started, Hey, people wanted you out of here. Like he's telling him straight up, you know, like he's hearing all this and it, it, it could get into your head, but he has no choice but to be the starting goalie with Smith injured. And I think for what it's been, and for what it's worth, I think he's done a pretty decent job. Like he hasn't been downright bad. And with this Oiler team scoring five goals a game, it feels like you don't have to be awesome every night. You just have to be good and not cost the team too much. And he's nine and one. He's got about a 915 save percentage. I think that's fine. Will it be fine in the playoffs? No, probably not. But by then you hope Mike Smith is back and at peak level. And it depends on who the hot hand is, I guess, that starts. But Mike Smith would probably get the preferential treatment there if they don't trade for a goalie. But for now, in terms of holding the fort, I think he's been fine. How about when it comes to Stuart Skinner? What have you made of his play? Obviously, uh, picked up a couple L's this season so far. But um, I think people would say, you know, looks like he's progressing. What do you think is best for Stuart Skinner? I mean, is is it back to the AHL and, and logging heavy minutes for the Condors once again? Or do you like to see him get a couple more NHL starts? I don't think he looks that out of place. And I wasn't a big believer in Stuart Skinner. I remember he was in that Ottawa game last season where it was a tough a tough place to put him in, but he didn't look ready at all. Like he looked like it was a goal. Every time someone shot, it looked like it was going to go in, but then he went back to the Bakersfield Condors. He played pretty good down the stretch. And then he starts off his first two starts this year in Bakersfield played really good in, in those two starts. I mean, I think, I think Skinner, there's nothing that I really think is technically wrong with him. I think it's just kind of the speed of the NHL game that he's still getting used to. But if I look at the goals he let in, he had the one really bad gaffe against Detroit. But before that, he was the Oilers' best player. Like in the first two periods of that game, he made a lot of really big saves. And keep in mind that this is going to be a, a theme if you ask me any questions like this further on here. The Oilers' defense is clearly the weak point of the team. Like, defensively speaking, the Oilers are absolutely not strong whatsoever. So Skinner's in a bit of a tough spot where they haven't figured out this defensive game. They don't know what their identity is on defense yet. He's got to make a lot of big saves, and he's the number three goalie. And I thought he did that. I, I thought he did that. I don't think the Buffalo goals were that bad on him. A lot of them were on the rush and turnovers and that kind of situation. But I think he still should go back down because he's not one of the best three goalies on the roster. Like when Mike Smith's healthy, I would still say Koskinen deserves to still be on the roster. He's nine and one. He's had a decent enough play that that he should still be there. 
And it's not the worst thing for Skinner to develop. He's 23. I mean, goalies do take longer than any other position. So more time in Bakersfield and being the starter, that's probably going to help his confidence just in case he has to come up again. Clack, the Oilers have a home-and-home against the uh, Winnipeg Jets on Tuesday and Thursday night, obviously. Fresh in everyone's memory is the four-game sweep, and you know we have to say the asterisks. There were some overtimes in there, so it's not quite as bad as it might sound. What do you think is the key for the Oilers going into this next two-game set? And also, do you think there's any bad blood there? Like, the Oilers have to prove something to themselves. I think they do have to prove something to themselves. I think there's a bit of a bitter taste in their mouths because they thought they were in that series, even though it was a sweep. They lost in overtime in heartbreaking fashion on more than one occasion. I mean, <laughs> game two, game three, game four. There's there's absolutely a sense, I think, in that locker room that we have a chance here against Winnipeg in two games to prove that we are better now than we were then. I think that that's the mentality they have to come in with, a chip on their shoulder that, hey, you swept us, but we don't care. We're at the top of the West, and we're going to steamroll you in these two games. So I do think that the the last action they've had plays a factor. I also think another thing that plays a factor is just the with the with the standings the way they are, it's not like Winnipeg themselves have had a rough start and it's not, you're not going to be overlooking them in this game. I mean, Winnipeg's eight, three and three to start their season. They're only one back of Minnesota in the central. So they're a good team. They're a barometer. The Oilers have played better against teams that give them that challenge. Like they looked better against Boston and St. Louis than they did against Buffalo and Detroit. Maybe they were sleeping on Buffalo and Detroit, but it seems like they like to play to their competition. Here's a team that started out really well despite having their own problems with Shifley having COVID, Wheeler having COVID, Hellebuck hadn't, didn't have the greatest start. Their depth came through. Here's a chance to prove that, oh, we don't care about your good start. We're better. Mm-hmm. Clock, I like it. Uh, my final question for you, just uh, regarding the third pairing left defense spot. This is something Hernan Salas brought up to me. I was on the podcast with him today. And, uh, you know, obviously some issues there and, and some questions. Is there anyone in Bakersfield that you would look to recall for that spot? Or maybe maybe around the NHL, maybe a trade you could make. Well, I guess there's a third option where you just let it ride. What would you do? Well, right now, it's a little early to be making trades. I I don't think there's a lot of teams that are willing to sell off guys right now. So if you wanted to look internally, it's not the worst option. And I say that because Chris Russell's a bit dinged up. And honestly, I think it's it felt felt like all season long he's been dealing with something. Uh, Slater Cuckoo has not played the greatest to my eye. I think he's struggled in a lot of scenarios and situations. And part of that's just because he's not a great fit for Tyson Berry. I don't like that pairing at all. But but also, I think he's just not played the greatest D he can play. And that gives a little bit of competition or an opening for one of these other guys from the minors to come up. And, I mean, I, I, w- I would say the front runner coming into the season – was Dmitry Samarukov, but he's also still finding his game a little bit coming back from that broken jaw he suffered earlier in training camp. So which guy would you want to bring up? I, I kind of I kind of have a feeling that 
Marcus Niemalainen's an, an interesting option because he's the safest of the guys. Like, like, do you want to bring up Broberg right now? He's got nine assists in 12 games. All indications are he's playing really well. Do you want to interrupt his development and bring him up too early? Or do you want to let him continue doing what he's doing down there? And Sam Rukov, like we said, is still building. So Niemalainen's got only three points in 12 games. He's not offensive. He's a defensive defenseman that likes to play a very safe, simple game. He has pro experience. He's played in Bakersfield last season. He played in the Finnish Elite League for a while. Like he he's a guy that's six foot five. He's got a lot of size. I thought he looked good in the preseason. And could he be a guy that maybe just plays a little better than Cuckoo? Yeah. I mean, why not try it? I don't think it's going to kill you because the way that Cuckoo's playing right now and and the, and Russell as well struggling a little bit. It's it's not unless he's absolutely horrific. It's November. It's December. I think you need to see what you got first before you make that trade and you trade off an asset. And I think Nimalainen is the safest bet. But if Ken Holland's like, hey, I want my shiny toy up here, that maybe Broberg does get that chance because of the way he's playing. Would Willie Legison get a call up? I don't think so. I think that the organization did not love what they saw from him in training camp. He was also battling his own injuries. And if you look at his stats in, in the AHL, he's got a minus six in 10 games. Now I have not watched a ton of Bakersfield, so I can't tell you if that's just an unlucky minus or what's going on there, but he's not dominating. So would he get a call up? Like he could, but you have guys that actually have a chance to be part of the organization going forward. And I feel like Logison's more on the way out. So you're looking, you want to look and see what you got. I don't think Logison's really anything different than what we've already seen. Like there's no upside to him unless he starts really dominating down there. Whereas there's upside to some of those other guys. We don't exactly know what we have. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I mean, he he's an interesting name because maybe he could fill the gap for a little bit, but at the same time, it seems like he's trending in the wrong direction. Clack, uh, what happens in the next two games against the Jets? Well, I wish I was Nostradamus. I could just tell you, oh, they're going to win. Uh, I mean, I'll say this. Drysettle will probably score a power play goal. <laughs> that that seems like a given. Um, I, I <laughs> It just feels like it's automatic now. I think that the Jets and the Oilers, the safest prediction I could give is that they would split the series because that's makes a lot of sense that they would each win a game. They're both good teams. But the the big test for me in this one, the thing I want to see is when will the Oilers stop bleeding chances? We know they have a ton of chances up front. They, we, we've seen them press. Their forwards are excellent. At least their top five forwards are excellent. And we are seeing some progression out of Yamamoto and some progression out of Fogel. I wish Fogel hit the net more. But I think we're, we're seeing some of the, the top-end talent we have do their thing and more. But it's defensive. It's, you know, Evan Bouchard in front of the net's got to be harder. Duncan Keats got to stop letting the blue line go on every rush. Cause it's a problem. Those players are going at Keith cause they know he's going to let them come in for a shot. Uh, Darnell nurse, I think has been improving defensively as of late. He's got to even get to another level, the level of a guy that you're paying as a number one defenseman starting next season. So that's the thing that they need to start doing is stop bleeding goals. The jets have a lot of offensive talent. If the Oilers can win a game two, one or three, two, that's a huge win. 
Whereas if it's a track meet, it's five, four, they might win the game, but it doesn't really tell us anything new. So I want to see something new. Clack, really appreciate you doing this today. Thank you so much, and we'll, we'll get you on later on. Good luck in your ball hockey game tonight. I hope we make it there safe, because the road's right now a little treacherous. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Connor. I'll, uh, I'll, I See, the thing is, you can sit behind the mic, you can critique the team all you want, but then you get out there on the, on the floor, <laughs> and uh, if I have any costly giveaways tonight, then I'll have to make sure I mention it on the podcast next time. Oh, you know what? I let up the blue line this time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, if if you can take like give it out, you got to take it. That's the way it goes. You got to be out there perfect and uh learn from the guys that you preach, right? Like do what Mick David and Dryside will do. It's not that hard, clock. It's it's really not that tough. You just <laughs> score every time you're on the ice and then win. <laughs> that's, that's not that hard. I mean, yeah. it's it's just a ball in the net. Exactly. For it, me, it's ball hockey, so it's a ball in the net. It's easy. You just like hunker down on that uh on the goal line basically and just go Top shelf, bar down. Like, dry title does it. Why can't you, right? Jason Strudwick does it. Why can't I? Exactly. You know what? That's uh, that's a motto for us all going forward. If Struddy can, we can. Clock, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Connor. Uh, enjoy uh, this. This I think it's going to be two really good games. So enjoy uh, Oilers versus Jets 1 and 2. Clacker, we will definitely enjoy Oilers and Jets 1 and 2 Tuesday night and Thursday night. Tuesday night in Winnipeg, it's a 6 o'clock buck drop. If you want some Oilers pregame coverage, TSN 1260 starting at 5 o'clock. Gazola, Cassian, Gregor, and myself will have you covered. And then on Thursday, it's a 7 o'clock puck drop down at the Ice District. So pregame show starting at 6 o'clock with Gazola, Cassian, and myself. Both of those on TSN 1260. We are going to get a Winnipeg Jets perspective on those games. Jim Toth of CJOB out in Winnipeg will join me in a couple minutes here on the other Connor podcast. And later on, we will talk to Jeffrey Ulrich. He writes at DraftKings Nation. You can give him a follow on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. And we talk a lot about NHL hockey and the fantasy side of it, the daily fantasy side of it, up at DraftKings. And hey, the NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NHL must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we'll talk a little bit more about DraftKings later on in the show with Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. But right now, let's preview those Winnipeg Jets. Of course, the Oilers play them on back-to-back occasions, Tuesday night in Winnipeg and then Thursday night in Edmonton, down at the Ice District after five games on the road. They finally return home, and we're going to bring in now the host of Jets at Noon. He's also the host of the Jim Toth Show weekdays, 1-3 to three on CJOB out in Winnipeg. You can give him a follow on Twitter 
at Jim Toth Sports. Jim Toth joins me once again. Jim, thank you so much for doing this today. How are you doing? Yeah, anytime, uh, Connor, and I appreciate you having me on. I'm doing good. It's uh, winter has arrived here in Winnipeg, but it's been later than usual, so no complaints so far. Now we just got our snowfall on Monday. How about you guys? Is it just arriving now, or has it been here for a few days? Yeah, it came. You know what? It was like double digits above zero up until last week, and then uh, just on Thursday, Friday, or sorry, Wednesday, I think the storm came at Thursday, and then uh, it snowed a ton in a short period of time, um, and then again on Sunday. So uh, we were happy that uh, we sort of had really nice Alberta spring weather till uh, till about uh, four or five days ago, but then uh, the snow came. Now it's not too cold, but there is a ton of snow, is what happens here in Winnipeg. So I don't mind the, the warmer temperatures and snow. It's uh, when the wind blows and everything else, but all good with the weather so far, and uh, we're set for a good hockey season. Absolutely. I mean, we got the Oilers on uh, Jets on Tuesday night, also Canada taking on Mexico. So the snow, a little bit of a concern here for the uh, the field at Commonwealth, but hey, anything that gives the Canadians a slight advantage, uh, we're obviously here for. But we got you on to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Of course, the two teams meeting, it's at 6 o'clock puck drop, Mountain Time. Uh, 7 o'clock Central, I would assume. Uh, time zones aren't always my friend. But, uh, Jim, what have you thought of the Winnipeg Jets so far this season, and have they lived up to the expectations? Yeah, I think they have. I mean, they came out of the gate slow and lost, I think, the first two games, and, and they blew a couple leads to the California teams. And uh, we all know that it's not Death Valley when you go through California anymore, but I was a little surprised that Anaheim and, and San Jose uh, got some points off them there. But since then, they've gotten points in 11 straight games. Uh, they had to use overtime and a shootout to do some of those things. But overall, I think it has been. I, I think this is a top-10 team in the National Hockey League with the moves they made in the summer, and not just the acquiring of Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, but also the retaining of Paul Stasny and um, the other moves that they did make. So I think this team is loaded for bear. I don't have them like a top three or four team right now, but I think they're definitely a top 10 team, which is exactly where they sit at this point in the season. And I still think there's plenty more to come. Like I wasn't all in saying they were a top 10 team in the National Hockey League and it would just happen out of the gate. I think there's some new systems Paul Murray's talked about putting in because he had a different back end and they would play differently in their own end, the neutral zone and the offensive end. And it's taken a couple games to, to get that sort of out and also they had some COVID issues with Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele um, but I did think that Pierre-Luc Dubois would have a big bounce back season and I think I was on with you in the playoffs saying that Josh Morris he could be a difference maker against the Oilers in that uh, four game sweep that they had against Edmonton and, and I thought he would have a big uh, bounce back season this year as well just given that he'd be playing with Nate Schmidt and he has so overall I, I'm not surprised at all I, I think that you know they're slow out of the gate and I still think there's room to grow with this unit and some of the new key pieces they have acquired but um, when you're so far up near the top of the division and, and, and the amount of points have gone in 11 straight games, I think it's gone just as well as you could expect, and I think they're going to get better. What was the biggest thing that changed for the Jets last year when they entered the playoffs against the Oilers? We knew the Oilers had a lot of success in the regular season. Playoffs started, and it was a full stop. The Jets, I mean, it was like wave after wave. They just kept coming at the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, a couple overtime wins as well. But was that just uh, playoff hockey, or did the Jets change something when they entered the playoffs? No, I, I think that, you know, I think their whole goal was to get to the playoffs. And they had some playoff disappointments since that Western Conference final run, um, being knocked out of the bubble against Calgary and, and Shifley and Liney went down in that first game. And I still think that with those two back in, they, they beat the Calgary Flames in the play in for the bubble. And then they got knocked out against St. Louis in the first year and, and St. Louis went on that run. So, but their problem was it, it was in their defensive end and their defense. They, they just weren't deep enough and, and they couldn't, you know, even in that St. Louis game, 
they blew a couple last-minute leads. Like they, I think last season they had 11 last-minute blowing leads to give up ties and go to overtime. And they did that in the playoffs against St. Louis. And then they just got pummeled in that deciding game down in St. Louis prior to that. So I think this year, coming into the playoffs against Edmonton, I think they were they were accustomed to that. And, and to me, last year, they still didn't have a very good back end. They had Connor Hellebuck, and they could score some goals. Um, but they weren't such a good defensive team. And I just think they were fighting to get to the playoffs. And then, as I told you at the time, I was full confident that they could beat the Oilers. I didn't, just didn't think the Oilers had their depth. Now, I'll still argue with people, and I think Oilers fans would agree, that wasn't a four-game sweep. I mean, any one of those in overtime could go the other way. But I still had them going past the Oilers in six, so I wasn't surprised by that. The Montreal series was a bit of a surprise because I don't want to take anything away from Montreal, but the Jets just didn't have it. I think the nine-game layoff was a little bit much, and they, they lost that game one, five, two, five, three last year in the playoffs to Montreal. And then they lost the other one by one goal, and they just couldn't get a bounce. And once they went down 2 nothing, and the hit that Mark Shifley did at the end of game one, I really think took the window of their sales, especially when they found out he'd be gone for four games. So I think last year was different because it was if they could just get to the playoffs, I think they could have won a round or two, which is what they did. They won one and then got swept. Um, but I thought that was the extent of the team they had. This year's much different story. Paul Stastny uh, didn't play on Saturday against the Kings, has the foot injury. We're hearing he could be an option to play Tuesday night against the Oilers. Uh, any update on his status? No, he didn't practice again today, and so he'll literally be a game-time decision. But I think that if he didn't practice today or at least test it out tomorrow, like to my mind, if he's not in the morning skate tomorrow morning or the day of the game Tuesday, he's just not going to play. But if he's out there testing it out, then he's a chance to play. But the fact that he didn't practice today, especially having all this time off, I don't think he'll play, but that might be reading a little too much into Paul Maurice. But he's also a guy that day-to-day slowly turns into week-to-week, about a week and a half after the day-to-day. So... uh, um, I, I do think that Paul Stasny, they'll meet him tomorrow. Like this is a big game for them and the Oilers, I think. But I, I don't. I think if he's not practicing today, I'll look to the morning skate. But if he's not in the morning skate, I'd be really surprised, especially this early in the season that they would put him in a game without having to practice or at least a skate. So the fact that he didn't practice today, I don't think he's going to be available tomorrow. I'd be surprised if he was. Um, but just because it's you know we're 14 games into the season, and if he can be better and, and play a full 60 after missing you know another game or two, I think that's the way they would treat Paul Stasny. Kyle Connor uh, off to a hot start this year, 11 goals and 14 games played. Uh, I mean, this guy is one of my favorite non-Oilers to watch. I absolutely love what he does out there. He's had 38 goal seasons, 34. The 38 goals coming in a 71 game season, obviously shortened due to the whole COVID thing. Um, what has he done this year to be so consistent to start the year when it comes to goal scoring? Well, you know what he's done, really, is work on his defensive game. And he was well aware, and that whole line of Shifley, Wheeler, and and Connor were one of the worst defensive lines on the team and, and in the National Hockey League, especially for a line that puts up that many points. He's just really worked on his his 200-foot game, in my mind, and I think it's leading to more offense. Now, he's always had speed, and he's always had amazing hands. I took a lot of heat, Connor, a couple years ago um, when I said after his third season, he's a better all-round goal scorer than Patrick Laine. I know Patrick Laine has arguably the best shot in the NHL, but Kyle Connor's hands and his speed are so quick 
It's um, I don't want to compare him to Connor McDavid because let's be honest, he's on a, on a different planet all on his own. But what he can do at that speed with his hands is incredible. And so he's going to score goals in multi-fashion ways or multiple fashion of ways that I just thought Line could do. But to me, I, I think it's just rounding out his game. He's really good defensively this year. He's fighting back on the back check. He's left his odd man open that, that we've seen in this, this time, but he's always a guy that's sort of turning to look for offense and he's not doing that. He's, he's He's worried about possession more. He's worried about back-checking and playing defense, and I think that is leading to more offense. So am I surprised he's this hot? Not really. Like I, I, I think that the natural progression after three years of 30-plus goals is, and I still stand by this statement, I think he's going to be the Jets 2.0's first 50-goal scorer. I think he's that good at it. And the fact that he's doing it with Dubois, not the same fact of uh, playing with Line, or sorry, with Shifley and, and Wheeler, like that line just struggled defensively. The fact that his defensive game has gotten better, and the fact that he's playing with more defensively responsible players, I think, is leading to the fact that he's had this much success right out of the gate. And I'm with you. I, I'm a big Kyle Connor fan. And if you look at where he sits the last three or four years in overall goal scores in the National Hockey League, I think it's in the top ten. But you never talk about him. But his name is up there with the Pasternaks and the Ovechkins of the world and, and uh, when it comes to goal scoring. And I think he is a top ten scorer in this league. Oh, yeah. I still remember when he was drafted. Uh, we had our, our draft show with Guy Flaming and Dean Millard, and both of them and we're just like, give this guy a couple of years, he's going to burst onto the scene, and he certainly has lived up to those expectations, and I agree with yeah, you. And a, qu- a quick story for you, I don't know mm-hmm. if you know this, but and sorry to interrupt you, but um, I love this story. Uh, Shvechnikov, who's here now, was going to be the pick, and Sheveldayoff has said that, and flew Shvechnikov into Winnipeg that draft year, and the only reason he didn't draft him was Kyle Connor was still there at 17. So the whole plan was Shvechnikov, they wheeled and dealed him and flew him into the city that summer, and when it just came to picking him, it was Kyle Connor was still available, which Sheveldayoff never thought he would be, and that's why he picked him. And so it's just a funny story that now that Shvechnikov is back here, that he was the guy they wanted to draft that year, but solely because they thought Kyle Connor would be gone. Yeah, I don't think too many people thought he'd fall to 17, and yeah, it's worked out well for both sides. Uh, Jim, thanks so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, Connor. Always good hearing from you, and all the best with the podcast. And uh, it should be a good couple of games this week between the Jets and the Oilers. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun as the Oilers take on the Jets on a Tuesday night. And then again on Thursday, that's Jim Toth from CJOB out in Winnipeg. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jim Toth Sports. We always appreciate him hopping on. And of course, if you're in the Winnipeg region, 680-CJOB. You've got Jets at noon. And then you've got the Jim Toth Show from 1 to 3. So uh, he's got you covered. He's there all afternoon out in Winnipeg. And again, always appreciate Jim hopping on the podcast. We are just about done here, but not quite yet. I promised it throughout this show. We're going to talk a little daily fantasy sports. More specifically, daily fantasy sports, hockey, and the Edmonton Oilers. Who should you be picking up? Who should you avoid? With a good friend of the show, Jeffrey Ulrich, he writes at DraftKings Nation. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. Jeff, thanks again for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me back on. Oh, glad to have you on here. And uh, obviously, we'll get to the hockey right well right away, not not immediately, because I do have to ask you. Lots going on with DraftKings. Obviously, you got the NBA, the NHL, the NFL. Uh, I got to ask you, how are things going for you with the NFL on Sundays? I I like to dabble with DraftKings. I don't always have a lot of success. It seems like I hang around just till the the end of the week, and then I drop off. Uh, How was the weekend for you in the NFL? Yeah, NFL is, I mean, it's it's been kind of a crazy season. We've had a lot of different guys going off, and and a lot of, like, different bus games, it feels like, lately. I mean, we've had some some high-priced quarterbacks, like Josh Allen had a couple bad weeks in a row. 
Uh, and then we had a, you know, a couple big upsets as well that have kind of like turned things wonky. But, you know, last week, I mean, uh, we had some, some really mid-price running backs like Mark Ingram and, um, and Dur- Durnus Johnson, a really good value. And, and they ended up just, you know, doing what they were supposed to do. So kind of a bit of a return to the norm last week, you'd almost say, with some higher-priced receivers like, uh, like Steph Diggs and C.D. Lamb having big weeks. But it's been an up-and-down year. It's kind of the same story for, for NFL. You go on a couple good weeks, you think you got everything figured out, and then just some crazy stuff happens. So it's always fun. you got to enjoy the ride. Definitely been enjoying the, the betting side of it, too. Uh, NFL always, uh, you know, with the player props and stuff, every game is kind of like uh, a mini Super Bowl. We're past the midway point of the NFL season. Now, uh, is there anyone that's kind of like the daily fantasy MVP, someone you've been thinking every week they've produced? And it doesn't have to be a quarterback, just any position that you thought throughout the season, wow, this guy's been really good every week. I mean, Cooper Cup, if, you know, <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. It's, it's definitely kind of where you have to start thinking about He's just been so consistent. I mean, every type of game for the Rams, he seems to go off every week. It's uh, it's hard to almost, like, go to another player outside of Cooper Cup because, I mean, again, this guy's just proven it in all different types of game flow. You know, in shootouts, he's gone off for the Rams. In uh, in games where, like, they've been uh, ahead, he still had big games. He still just managed to get there. So, Cooper Cup is definitely, like, the top of the list. I mean, Lamar Jackson's been pretty consistent uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor is starting to get into that territory where, you know, he's almost like an every week guy. Now, I think he's got six, actually, yeah, he's got seven, six or seven weeks above 20 points on DraftKings. So at running back, he's really been the guy, especially with injuries and other things taking out players. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is the other player outside of Cooper Cup, you know. I would say those two are neck and neck with the slight edge to cup now if we're doing fantasy MVPs. Oh, Jonathan Taylor, I, I've had him on my team the last two years now. He could have so many more fantasy points if Frank Reich wasn't so weird in the red zone. <laughs> yeah, the, the red zone, just overall usage. I mean, you know, he's been doing this, like you said, with like under 20 touches a lot of these games. I mean, I, I think he got he got a bunch of targets last game against Jacksonville because they almost blew it. But, um, you know, even the week before that, I think he only had 19 carries. The week before that, he had 16 carries. So he's just a super efficient running back. He's having a fantastic year. And uh, getting some some love now that like Derrick Henry though. Now let's jump over to hockey here because I, I got a tough question for you. Let's say uh, you're you're dabbling with DraftKings on Tuesday night. You've got the Oilers taking on the Winnipeg Jets. You've got McDavid and Drysaddle on their own lines. You can only have one. Which way are you going? Because Leon Drysaddle, twenty three points in his last ten games, uh, coming off a three point performance against the Blues, a two point or a two goal night against the Sabers and a three-point performance against the uh, Boston Bruins. This guy's on fire. Is it still McDavid, or do you lean at Leon Dreisaitl a little bit? I, I, in these type of situations, when one player who, especially when they're on the same line, when one player starts to get a little bit more sentiment over the other, I do tend to lean towards the other. I think McDavid, too, if you look at long-term, you know, he, he's still, like, he's, he's still the, the technically better fantasy play. You know, like points per game, uh, even shots on goal per game, uh, he, he probably trumps Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl is just an extremely efficient player with his shots as well. So it, it does kind of balance out a little bit. But McDavid in the long-term form, uh, generally, like, you know, you look at even like Corsi 4 stats and you want to delve deeper into it, it generally all points to McDavid being the slightly better play. So whenever the sentiment kind of drifts towards Dreisaitl, uh, and, and, and maybe the ownership on Connor, it would be down a bit. I, I, I would take McDavid. I also think, all things considered, 
we know Drysdale can go off, but I mean McDavid just seems to be probably has more of those like five point nights in him. Like the ceiling is slightly higher with him. Again, we're talking about like really thin stuff here. I mean, obviously we know Leon Drysdale. I don't even know how many points he has, but it's a billion it seems like on the year. Uh, and that's like after a slow start too, right? So the upside of both these guys is massive, but you got to lean slightly lean McDavid, um, especially when the sentiment around dry saddle gets high and you know, the ownership's going to be up there. If you have to pick or choose, uh, it's almost always going to be Connor. Yeah. Connor McDavid scored a point, at least one point in every game this year. He's got 27 points. Leon Dreisaitl has gone scoreless twice, but he has 31 points. Like it, It's absolutely phenomenal what they're doing. Leon Dreisaitl averaging over a goal a game right now, 15 goals and 14 games played. So, so some pretty good options there, especially for daily fantasy. Now, there's always going to be those guys who benefit from that. That might come in at a better cost, whether it's Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Pugliarvi or Zach Hyman. Out of those guys, is there anyone you have to pair with your top guy? I mean... I- it, it all kind of depends on how the lines are shaking out, right? Like, you do want that regular strength exposure uh, if, if you're trying to correlate with one of the big studs. And, and like you said, playing on the same line, uh, you kind of just got to go with the winger there. But, I, I mean, personally, I, li- I really like targeting that Ryan Nugent Hopkins right now. I used to play who's got 18 points, but he's only on one goal. Um, you know, eight shots on goal in this last game. Like, his play has been fantastic. And... Like the shooting percentage, his shooting percentage is three percent right now. I mean, it's not going to stay. His career, just for example, is about twelve percent. Like the goals are going to start to come for this guy, and he gets tons of power play exposure. He carries that second line. You know, who knows? Like it could get mixed up. That's the one thing about the Oilers too. I don't worry so much about regular strength stacking with their top six because they kind of just rotate like their top six anyways. I mean, Drysdale and McDavid might start the game, but like they're not guaranteed to finish the game playing together either. So. There's a lot of kind of, um, you know, I would just say bonus and targeting a guy who's maybe a little bit lower sentiment, like Nugent Hopkins. If he's not playing alongside one of the stars, uh, you're going to get lower ownership. People just kind of kind of forget he's on the team for Daily Fantasy sometimes. He's been a really good value, though. Like, he's not even that expensive. So uh, that's definitely the guy I, I am, like, right now looking to target kind of every time the others get on the ice, uh, see where those projections would stand and just see how expensive he is. Now, you do great work with DraftKings Nation, and uh, for those who don't know, we do tape these the night before. So right now it's Monday. The Red Wings are taking on the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, and I notice with your article today talking about top-line stacks, you've got Larkin, Raymond, and Bertuzzi. Now, had people listen to you, and and we're only in the second period. It's still pretty early on, but uh, I see here Larkin has a goal. Raymond has an assist. So... Looks like you made a pretty good pick. So so people should definitely go to DraftKings Nation, check it out. You're gonna have another article up on Tuesday. But going into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, later this week, is there any top line stacks that you're thinking, man, these guys as of late have been very good and very good value? Well, first of all, I mean I appreciate the shout out. I mean we're we're lucky we got the Dylan Larkin goal to get us started. And uh, <laughs> Alex Nadelkovic also played well in that game. Uh, if you read the article, you would have known. He's coming in hot, so he would have been a good target. But um, you know, looking ahead to this week, I mean, I think there's some, I think the general theme is there's some teams that maybe are starting to like show some, some obvious regression. Uh, the Flames were off to a hot start there. Uh, they're not looking so great over the last couple games. The Sabres are kind of taking a dive. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's no one that like jumps off my, the page here or just jumps off the top of my head in terms of, of guys I want to target. I would say keep targeting the Vegas Golden Knights top line, like Jonathan Marchezo just continues to be a great value in daily fantasy. He's getting a ton of usage. 
Uh, like his shots on goal per, per game are all up and, and his shooting percentage is even doing well over his career averages. So that's a, that's a, a line that I think you just keep targeting. Uh, Peter Angelo is playing better there too. So they're a little bit more formidable than they appear. Uh, the Alex, or the, uh, excuse me, the, the LA Kings continue to be a pretty good story too. Uh, there's some pretty good value in their top six. Like Alex, I is having a pretty good year. So those are kind of two teams really you should be just keeping on your eye for value. Uh, their top six is kind of just really going, they're just not expensive on a nightly basis. Uh, in terms of just general teams, I mean, I still love targeting teams going up against Montreal right now. They've been terrible. I see they got the Rangers coming up, and I think they have the Penguins coming up as well. So probably going to be two, two good matchups there for those teams. Um, but, uh, you know, all things considered, I think you're starting to see some, some stretches of, like, normalcy from some of these, these teams that maybe got off to a good start. The Sharks maybe another one. Um, one team that is still playing well, and, and this is maybe just more of a, a note, but, like, the Philadelphia Flyers, much better defensively than this year. And I, I'm a little bit surprised. I didn't think they were going to turn it around this year. But Carter Hart's played a lot better. They're not an easy matchup. So it's kind of a team I've been staying away from, and, and I think it's kind of worked out well. Um, just something to note, like uh, not the easiest matchup with Philadelphia right now. Their numbers look a lot better, and their goaltending is a lot better. Now, I, I hate to be negative, and it's early on in the season. People could turn it around for sure, but has there been anyone who's been a bit of a disappointment so far this year for you? I mean, the, the Rupe hints from, from the Dallas Stars, the player who you know, definitely jumps to mind. I mean, you could, you could make the case that whole Dallas Stars team has been terrible, but that, that was the player in hints. I mean, I, I remember rostering him a couple times last year, multiple-point games, three-point games, really good value. And he was available, and he's still available in kind of similar salaries this year. He's just not producing. I think he's got one goal on the year now. Um, just a really disappointing uh, spot because, I mean, you look at that Dallas team, you know, Jason Robertson coming off an almost rookie of the year kind of thing. Joe Pavelski had a nice bounce back, and it just has not happened on offense for that team. Terrible five-on-five. Five. Uh, decent defense and special teams, but, like, it's been – it's kind of just been nothing. And then the other one uh, really jumps to mind. Another guy was a fantasy stud last year. Jacob Chikrin finally got his first goal of the year, I think, in 14 games. Uh, but he's got, like, two points. You know, the, Chikrin's a really good player. His assists – or, his, excuse me, his block shots and shots on goal marks, really not that far off from last year. It just He's just been dragged out. He's, he's really a product of his environment. Also, the, the Coyotes have also signed Shane Gostasbier – who has actually been like a really good fantasy play. And, and you kind of have to think maybe that's taken away from Chikrin a bit. So just something to note there in Arizona, too. Uh, Gosses Beer has been really good value on the defense for Arizona, considering how bad their team's been. But, but it's really hurt Jacob Chikrin, who just does not have that same upside as, uh, as last season. Yeah, and I mean, think, uh, man, free Chikrin. I feel bad for him playing with the, yeah, I the mean, Coyotes. Yeah, it would be nice to see him get to a better team and see <laughs> if we could get this thing back on track. Maybe that the would, Oilers. Yeah, yeah, he would be great for the Oilers. That would be a perfect trade. Uh, Jeffrey, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. And, again, I, I urge people to check you out at uh, DraftKings Nation. Great advice, as always, the fantasy grind. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Not a problem. That is Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. And that's going to do it for another edition here on the Other Connor Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings and the Hockey Podcast Network. Of course, the Oilers in action Tuesday night, taking on the Jets out in Winnipeg for pregame coverage. Tune in to TSN 1260, starting at 5 o'clock. Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself on Thursday. We'll be back at it again. 
6 o'clock this time. The three of us once again on TSN 1260. Make sure to tune in for that. I gotta thank all of our guests for hopping on today. Brennan Clack of Fantrax, Jim Toth from CJOB out in Winnipeg, and of course Jeffrey Olick, who we just wrapped up with. Always appreciate him hopping on and sharing some daily fantasy sports advice. We'll be back on Friday. We'll recap the games this week against the Winnipeg Jets, and we'll preview the weekend. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. My name's Connor Halley. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.